Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. As of our Thursday, we have Martin Samuel, Chief Correspondent of The Times and Sunday Times, Jonathan Northcroft, Football Correspondent of The Sunday Times, and for the first time this season, James Restall, Deputy Sports Editor. I'm getting those all right, am I? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm Gregor Robertson. Uh, Lots to get through today. Transfer, some some of the most interesting transfers going on over the last few days. Uh, We'll review some of the midweek action. Look forward to... Uh, Brighton versus Newcastle and Arsenal Manchester United as well as looking once again at the story that will not go away involving Luis Rubiales in Spain but first of all um, probably the most eye-catching transfer certainly in the last week or so probably the most interesting transfer of last week is uh, of Cole Palmer to Chelsea from Manchester City uh, for up to £45 million. Pounds. What do you make of this one, Martin? It seems to be a kind of one that has risk on both sides, but also, you know, is, is very interesting. It's a player that has been developed since the age of eight by Manchester City and after so few appearances, but so much potential, they're willing to, to move him on. Well, it, it's there's two ways of looking at it. You, you could argue that they're being very fair, that they can't see a way through for him in the current Manchester City team. And therefore, they've, they've set him free, basically. Um, and free to go to Chelsea, who are Manchester City's rivals, big rivals. Um, that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is the, the, the immense frustration that you must feel as a, as a, as a young British player uh, in our football, where you, you, you can't get through because Haaland and Alvarez and, and, and every, you know, every way you look, it, it, it's, it's blocked off. I don't think it's a big risk for Chelsea. I think he's a, he's a good player and, and he, he, looks, he looks to me a really good player and he looks as if he'll score goals and goals are uh, what Chelsea need. I also look at it and think, I've never been a great fan of the loan system. And I know I'm in a minority on this and that it benefits a lot of clubs further down the league and it allows development and yada, yada, yada. I've always had that old school attitude that you can't run a shop with somebody else's stock. And I just wonder if we didn't have the loan system, whether you would see more instances like this, whether uh, young players would be, good young players would become more evenly distributed through the league rather than having half a dozen clubs that are, can just hang on to them and, and keep them there because they can they can loan out all over the place and this allows them to actually, although the first team squad is 25 or whatever, actually have a squad near 40 uh, because all of these young players are here, there and everywhere. Whether this is what would have to happen, you'd just get to a certain age and you'd say to the manager, 
I can't see a way through for me here. Or you'd sign a contract that, that allowed you to, to get out if, if you weren't in the team by a certain time. I don't know, but... Um, I think it's a great deal for Chelsea. I know it's a lot of money and I know he hasn't played much, but I think he's a lovely player. And uh, I'm very, very surprised that Manchester City can't find some way of using him. Mm. What about you, Johnny? What about from Manchester City's perspective? I find that a strange one um, from a cultural perspective for, for, for City. Um, you know, they've, they've won three titles in a row. Uh, they've, they've won the treble. Uh, I don't think they're at a position where they have to think short term. There's no there's no need to, to get a trophy now. I think they can think a bit more than de about development than they maybe have been able to at other points in their, their history. And from that perspective, he's the next one after Foden but maybe Rico Lewis you could say as yeah. well it's, it's, mm. those are the three outstanding prospects uh, that they've, they've, their academy's produced in the last 10 years um, and to sell him at this stage when he's he had a really good season last year where he, where he used the most of his opportunities he had a brilliant under 21s championship mm. he looks such a lovely player such a Guardiola player potentially um, to let him go now and then to be signing Matthias Nunes at the same time for actually slightly more money. Um, I don't understand that one. I, 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 for me, I would see the next stage of City's development is surely going down the route of, of, of I suppose, Ferguson's United and adding to success by producing their own players and having a recognisable um you know, local element to the, the team. I, I don't understand it from, from that point of view. And it, the, the odd thing, I, I, I agree with Martin about how, you know, we definitely want young players to go and play and the talent to be spread. I think Chelsea's a slightly weird choice for Cole Palmer if he thinks, I want to go somewhere I'm guaranteed minutes because I, I'm not sure if there is any guarantee of minutes at Chelsea, but then maybe maybe he's had assurances that we, we don't know about. Um, is he a player that Chelsea really need? I mean, they, I know there, there, there's this new target on, on youth and they needed someone from, they could, well they wanted someone who mm -hmm. could play across the forward line but they also look really inexperienced a lot of the time they, like, yeah. they need someone who yeah. is more like to get a guarantee product. of goals he, he scores goals yeah. he, he has scored goals uh, yeah. you know with very limited exposure to the, yeah. to the first team he, he's got goals he's, um, that, that goal he scored in the European Championship in the summer mm. yeah, mm -hmm. where he, kind of, he slides in at the back post mm -hmm. is exactly what Chelsea have been missing yeah. really somebody with that real poacher's instinct yeah. and a great timing I can see I can see why they've mm. why they've gone for him um, but it is, it, what I find so strange about it is that it's kind of we've kind of been led to believe that this was the not quite the breakthrough season but this was the season where he'd get more minutes and he'd be mm. coming off the bench he played mm. a good a great role in the community shield mm. um, and, and it just it, it, it feels a really weird one that they would now go right we're going to stop your development here and sell you I, I, I thought this would be yeah. the season for him and, and it's weird because at the same time we've got Chelsea selling their academy players <laughs> yeah. you know like your Lewis Halls and, there's accountancy as well I mean it's the, it's spoken about before the pure in terms yeah. of you know being fi financial fair play regulations that's 100% right and I, and I think if you look at the Italian clubs have done this for years Juve and the, the Milan clubs have been quite happy to trade young trade, trade with each other yeah. Yeah. yeah and maybe we're in that phase now but if you think that Chelsea and City are the two outstanding academies of the last decade and how few of those players actually then end up on the pitch for those teams and they're, how, how they're willing to sell them in order to buy new young players from, from elsewhere there's just they use them as revenue stream. They, they, they yeah. do. They do. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's not. It's not an academy 
as we would know an academy mm-hmm. from years past. It is a revenue stream because once you've got financial fair play, and I know I'm on, uh, again in a minority here, but once you've got financial fair play and once you make everything about the bottom line, then everything does become about mm-hmm. the bottom line. Yeah. And, and you look at the bottom line for your uh, academy, you look at the bottom line, dare I say it, as much of a PR and goal as it is, you look at the bottom line for the £250,000 you're spending on your away supporters to get on a coach and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. becomes about the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's, it's been really funny in the last couple of years, basically since Chelsea have been taken over, mm-hmm. a line has crept into reporting, which is whenever an academy player is sold, it's always mentioned is pure profit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, that, yeah. and that's become <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. commonplace now. Yeah. Reporting. It was in, it's in, a, in our story this morning about, about Cole Palmer and it's it's why City would be mad to turn down a player that is at £45 million of pure mm. profit. Because everything is about, everything is about that loss, yeah. what yeah. you lose. Yeah. So therefore, everything becomes that simple profit and loss mm. calculation. But Paul Hurst also written that in the paper today that Manchester City could look a little bit silly at the end of this. If Palmer was to develop yeah. into you know, a full England international and flourish, then it could look like a steal as well. I agree, because yeah, he has got that potential. Um, there's, there's, there's no doubt that, that he's, he, you know, in that under 21 team, he was one of the two or three outstanding players that you thought he's got a chance of even the next squad. Gibbs White would be another one, Anthony Gordon. He's up there with, with all of those talents. And of course, if he was at some, he would have played a lot more minutes if he'd been at a different club to, to City and that's that's fair enough. But I'd, yeah, I, I would have thought that it would just be worth, don't sign Matthias Nunes, give, give Cole Palmer. Uh, I know they're slightly different players, but, yeah, of course, but, but you know the, the, the capacity that Guardiola has for, to develop players and their skills. I'd have thought give him something of a chance. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe as you say, Martin, there is there is one thing in City's thinking that I do have always admired, which is trying to be fair to players who want to to go. They're not a club that, that holds mm-hmm. on to players who want mm-hmm. to go. So the, it could be there's something a bit more behind this story in terms of the player pushing to to, mm-hmm. to leave that we don't know. But is he just pushing to leave because he doesn't see any... Because he doesn't see anyone. And, and, and maybe that is what it is. Maybe he's saying, look, banging on Guardiola's door or whatever, and saying, look, you know, what are my chances? What's going to happen here? Mm. And, and if Pep's looking at his team and thinking, well, you're not going to get the yeah. opportunities that I thought because we have found a way of playing that, that really you're, you're not involved in this at the moment, then maybe he's just thought, well, the decent thing to do is let him go. I'm just surprised that they've let him go to such an obvious rival. I mean, mm. you know, people can, you know, they, oh, Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah with Chelsea, but both of those players, they didn't sell Mo Salah to Liverpool and they didn't sell Kevin De Bruyne to Manchester City. They sold them abroad mm-hmm. and they came back to haunt them. And both of those players actually had quite a, a, a good chance in the first mm. team. I mean, certainly Kevin De Bruyne started the season yeah. for Chelsea and he wasn't playing like the Kevin De Bruyne we, we see now because if he was they wouldn't have let him go um, quite obviously whereas with, with Palmer he hasn't really had that run he hasn't really no. had that chance 40, um, 41 appearances for the 41 most appearances of most, bench, of bench, yeah. most of them yeah. substitute appearances and most of them I would imagine in cup competitions mm. and, and, and stuff like that there'll yeah. be a lot of Champions League yeah. dead rubbers in there. Yeah, yeah dead rubbers and yeah. you know tending you up on Burton Albion yeah. or whatever, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that you know. okay well another uh, interesting I mean, this one's not done yet 
but it looks as though Ansu Fati. Oh, yeah. Mm. Dean says, Dean Sensation is on the brink of a, a season long, long, long loan from Barcelona to Brighton. And as you say, he was linked with Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but it seems like Brighton might well have hijacked the move. And this is a really exciting move. Obviously, he's. Mm. He's had a bit of a dip in the last year. I think he's had suffered some injuries, but he signed a, a contract not long ago with a one billion euro buyout clause. Um, you know, he's handed Barcelona He was handed Messi's number ten when yeah. when the great man left Barcelona. Mm. So this could be a really really exciting move if he comes to the Premier League. I think it is because um, of the scale of the talent, as you say, Gregor. Um, It'd be very interesting, the choice of, of Brighton ahead of Spurs, but I can understand it from the player's point of view, and that's not to denigrate Spurs. I, I think that's looking at Roberto De Zerbi and perhaps looking at, I mean, he's turned Solly March into, you know, Maradona or whatever. So, <laughs> Ansu Fati must Too be... Too far, Johnny. Too yeah, far. okay. A lot of age, But he's, um, he's got a talent for players in those wide positions. I mean, it was, mm. Mihailo Mudrik had his one great burst at, at Donetsk under Roberto De Zerbi. Yeah, yeah. He knew he, he gets the most out of players in those, mm. those positions. Um, and, it's uh, it, it looks like a good sort of development choice for, for Fatty, who you know he was he was as you say supposed to be the next Messi. I remember being at Barcelona Airport um, a few years ago, but it, it, you know his shirt was they were, they were really putting forward that Fatty uh, ten shirt, and uh, he was supposed to be the, the face of the next gen. He's still um, only twenty, still only twenty. Say. When you look at Martin Odegaard, mm. and he was, mm. it shows that you can come back from being that protege and, and it not quite working out, and then you can rebuild. You know, he did all that at the same age with, with Real Madrid, went to Holland, and then came back, and, and, and maybe this would be this would be Fatty's path. You'd love uh, as well, or, or one would love maybe. I'm not going to speak for everyone. One would love the idea that um, one of the clubs that six of our teams wanted to cut loose and leave behind is now hmm. potentially getting a, a getting a player off top yeah. you know Tottenham were one of those teams that yeah. you know wanted to cut everyone mm -hmm. loose you know there was no consultation they were just resigning that day and we, you know they were going to go elsewhere and they were going to be in this league that was a glorified closed shop and everything meaning that a team like Brighton could pretty much never get into it and what are we two years on yeah. two years on and, and, and you know they might not be able to yeah. get this player because he looks at Brighton and yeah. fancies Brighton more and that's not against Tottenham that is just against this idea of this yeah. elite that thought they were so much better than everyone else because there's not a better run club in the country yeah. than Brighton there's yeah. not a club that um, deserves European football this season more than Brighton deserve their place in the Europa League it's absolutely fantastic what Tony Bloom has done down there and this is if it does come off for them this is the absolute epitome of it that they are not just plucky Brighton who, who yeah. find someone for five million and, and turn them into a hundred million pound player they are now Brighton that a, that a good player a really good technical player looks at and thinks that's a, that's a better bet than, than, than this team with the yeah. 60,000 capacity stadium yeah. the best stadium yeah. in the country and you know European for Champions League Champions League final in you know very very recently does it also suggest that maybe 
Tony Bloom is going to loosen the purse strings a little bit and back the Zerbi and, you know, mm. show a little bit more ambition. Not that they're not shown yeah. it in the past, but <clears throat> I think he reportedly earns mm. £260,000 yeah. a week. That's so, I think the purse strings need to be loosened because they're quite, the coffers the are quite coffers. hefty at the moment. Do you think is going to be backed? I think mm. he's always yeah. says we mm. want to, yeah. we shouldn't, you know, shouldn't limit our <clears> ambitions. Does this show that maybe Tony Bloom's listening? Well, I think I think he's he's got a it's not a problem, but there's certainly a need to keep Deserby. You know, yeah. he's, he's he's been looked at by a number of clubs and, and was looked at even last season. So he has to match Deserby's ambition, and and Deserby's ambition is part of why Brighton have kicked on since Potter because they have broken their right, transfer record yeah. this summer. It's yeah. kind of gone under the radar. Right. They have actually broken the Yeah, yeah. 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 It's about thirty-five million. Yeah, that's and, right. it's, and I know that's not you know in the scale of one hundred and fifty yeah. no, million for Kaiser. It's big but, for Brighton. But it's big for Brighton. Um, I mean, I know this sounds a bit romantic and whatever, but I do. I still. I still have to pinch myself having sat on that rickety terrace at the with team mm. you know 10 yeah. years ago she 15 years ago and to think this is a team that can lure a player from Barcelona ahead of time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that to me sitting on a cold New Year's Day watching my team get beaten 5-0 by Brighton mm. in mm. League One and you think here they are here they are now the team that mm. James Milner wants to come to at the end of his career yeah. because he, he believes what the manager's yeah. doing Adam mm. Milana I read somewhere that they're charging £3.50 for a packet of Starburst. Is that right? I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I bet that wasn't happening with really? like the no. rest of the So, lucky to get Starburst. So, you know, they're moving up in all, <laughs> all directions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, one chance that doesn't, doesn't look like it's happening is uh, Harry Maguire's exit to West Ham or anyone else uh, owing to some injuries at Manchester United mm. what do you, you've, you've written about this this mm. week Martin what do you think well I, I think in the end uh, it's been timed out hasn't it Manchester United don't want him to go now because they've got problems with Van uh, injury problems <coughs> with Van and, and Luke Shaw um, Malachio as well and, and so they're they're, they're short at the back and yeah. but there was a time when Manchester United would have driven him down to uh, <laughs> to London um, to to sign for West Ham when they wanted the money and, and, and Maguire didn't want to go it was more but one I was looking at it from the point of view of, uh, of West Ham who've taken um, seven points in their first three games and do you really need the drama of sort of rekindling um Harry Maguire's career do you really you know there was a time when they weren't getting players in they hadn't bought anybody uh, then there was the link to Pakatar and Manchester City when Harry Maguire seen this sort of great shout for them you know mm-hmm. former Manchester United captain all the world over he's England centre half and you know he could sign for West Ham and, and that would have been very appealing now, not so much. They've they've made a good fist of replacing Declan Rice, albeit three games into the season. I realise that, and but they've got good results. They're on a little bit of a yeah, roll. Yeah. You know, the international break will be coming at exactly the wrong time, um, <laughs> as as always happens whenever West Ham starts well. Well, anyone starts well, really. But, um, the title charge. Yeah, the title. Yeah, halting, halting. You know, we're always the champions of Europe, but the. Uh, but. The, <laughs> but um, you know, everyone knows it's a bigger trophy than that one, Man City. One. Anyway, that's, why, that's why they have it first. You know, so the um, but 
you, you look at that and you think, do you really want to get yourself involved in that little bit of drama that will be surrounding Harry Maguire when he plays his first game and everyone looking at him and thinking, if he makes a mistake, you know, this, how, does, how does this pan out? That's number one. Number two, we think he'll be named um, in Gareth Southgate's squad today. Um, and I'm not even sure about that. And I know England have got, uh, Gareth's got his own problems at centre back yeah. and everything. But a guy that chooses to be Manchester United's fifth choice centre half yeah. or whatever he is now, rather than West Ham's first, because at the time when the initial offers and everything were being made, the stories were that David Moyes was saying to him, you know, at the back, you'll be yeah. the first name on the team sheet. And mm. Johnny would probably know more about that than, than, than any of us. Um, and he elected to either stay at Manchester United or certainly hang around waiting for a payoff from Manchester United. If you're going to Southgate, surely you want players you want to play. Yeah, that, that's that's the that's the trouble for Harry. It's the, the sympathy yeah. of being sidelined by by Ten Hag mm. now runs out when you've had a chance to yeah. to um, to play and, and and you haven't taken it for whatever reason. And as president of the David Moyes fan club, I think he's missed the big old. He's just deputy, isn't he? Tom's on the beach though, so oh, fair you're, enough. You're, yeah, you've gone up today. But I think I think Maguire's missed a big opportunity. You know, I was talking about. Deserbi and his facility with forward players, um, and if if you think the the, the players that, that Moyes has man, mm. you know, made into or, or helped make into great centre halves, England centre halves, did it at Everton all the time. You know, your, your Jagielkas and Lescotts and 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 um, he's re, you know, revamped Kurt Zuma. Um, he's be, he's been able to to do that throughout his career. I think Harry would have played because. Agard's injured a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ogbonna's old, oh. and there's a vacancy yeah. there. And for a guy who is renowned from scoring from set pieces, yeah. they've just signed the best one yeah, of the best set piece yeah. takers yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we were joking, you know, move over Kane and Son, yeah. you know, Ward Prowse to Maguire would have been the, most, yeah. the biggest goal scoring yeah. combination yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. And they've signed well, West, you know, I mean, Edson Alvarez looks a great signing. Yeah. Yeah. That'd yeah. have been a nice bit of protection in there. Yeah. Ward Could, Prowse. Kudis is good, Ward Prowse. So, and you know it could be a long season for Maguire because mm. I was at Old Trafford on Saturday and <clears throat> there's an injury to Varane and what happens it's, it's Lindelof that comes mm. on it's not it's not well, last season when there were <coughs> problems at the bank he was playing yeah. Luke Shaw at uh, half I don't know Luke can play there and everything yeah. but that's that's real writing on the wall stuff when mm. they've got the left back in at, at centre yeah. half and yeah. you're still excluded from the team. Well, but Ten Hag's explicitly said that he's competing with Lissandro Martinez because he, he, he you know he doesn't he doesn't want to um, uh, he wants or sorry he wants a left sided centre half. Mm. So I've, I've got it the wrong way around, haven't I? He's explicitly said that that it, he, he has to play Harry. With with a left footed centre back, mm. um, which which is going to make it difficult for him because he's competing with Fran, not Lissandro Martinez. But mm. but it, it's it's going to be hard. As we mentioned there, the the squads were recording before the squads announced at, at mm. two pm. But we think Maguire's in, um, and there are a few other issues. Also, Calvin Phillips is somebody in this similar boat who is an important player for his country, but can't get a game in club football. Um, and Jordan Henderson, of course, has made the move to Saudi Arabia this summer. Um, and we think he's going to still be named in the squad. We have to put caveats here, but um, these are really interesting decisions for Southgate to make. And 
um, you know, with, with Phillips and Maguire, you wonder how sustainable that is. And perhaps the same is true of Henderson when we we see how kind of strong the league is that he's going to be playing in every week. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what Gareth says today because he's he'll have to explain why um, why he he make those selections. And I want I don't want to jump into a judgment about the Saudi Premier League because I haven't I haven't seen enough of it to be quite no. honest. Mm. So I don't want to sit here and go it's not a good enough league for an England player to be. We can see it's a step down. We could say it's a step down, and, and the thing in my mind is that Gareth's always been quite um, sceptical, shall we say, about the quality of Serie A. And the championship. You know, he's, he's, yeah. been, he's been quite explicit about the fact that the Premier League's right up there, and if you're not there, it, it's not quite as good. So you'd think that the, that, that the same would apply to the, the Saudi League. This is the first score of the season, um, but as, as the season rolls on, it might be interesting to see how those moves affect player selection. Sort, sort of reminds me a bit of after the 2018 World Cup. He stayed quite loyal to the group that had got to the semi-final when it, perhaps one or two were slightly sort of it, their time had come. But I, and, and I remember that, that that Nations League game against Spain at Wembley, mm. which mm. kind of was the exposing of the of the of the three at the back and the wing backs and, mm. and England were promising, but they they lost two one. Mm. And it kind of it prompted the sort of first big evolution in Southgate's thinking mm. in terms of both personnel and formation. And it it, it might be that this could be a kind of last last hurrah mm. stroke last chance mm. for these players who aren't getting minutes um, I, I was going to say I, I think that um, you know you, you, if you look back at, uh, at Gareth and, and his own playing career and the England managers that he played under without a doubt Venables is a massive uh, influence on him uh, in terms of certain thing that's, yeah. things that he's done and he's attitude Terry's attitude always was it should be as hard to get out of the England team really? mm. as it should be to get into it yeah. you know that once you've got once you're in the England team mm. you've proved yourself over a period of time that's why you've mm. been selected mm. and we don't lose faith after, with you after one bad performance mm. or we don't lose faith in you because you haven't scored a goal mm. for two games you think of Alan Shearer I think it's nine games without a goal for England before the yeah, European yeah, yeah. Championships nice. with everyone going nuts everyone yeah. saying why, right. why isn't Robbie Fowler playing why isn't Les Ferdinand playing yeah. and he kept playing him and he, he was going to drop him he was going to drop him he wanted him to score a goal as soon as he scored a goal he was going to rest him for the next game to play and he didn't score he just didn't score <laughs> and so he, he just kept picking him because he knew that as soon as he left him out everyone would pounce yeah. on it mm. so he just kept picking him kept picking him and he went all the way through without a goal and then the tournament started and I think he ended the tournament top score yeah, yeah. Alan, I yeah, think yeah. he did so you know Gareth was in that squad and he was, you know, he would have heard Terry make that sort of statement that if you're not letting down the international manager, mm. that was another one of, of, of Terry's arguments was um, he can't, and I know Gareth, Gareth sort of pays lip service to this one about you've got to be playing for your club, but actually mm. he doesn't really yeah. follow through with it. He says it mm. and then he picks the people who aren't playing for their clubs mm. anyway. Yeah. And again, that was something else with, with, with Jerry Venables that he would say, um, if all I do is respond to what the manager of a club is doing, yeah. then I'm not the England manager. Mm. That's the England manager. He's the England manager. If, yeah. if, he's, if I think so-and-so is the yeah. best left back mm. in the country, but the manager of Manchester United yeah. doesn't, 
Well, where's the England manager if I if I can't pick him because the Manchester yeah. United manager isn't picking him? And it's a, it's a, it's a valid argument, yeah. you know, because there could be supposing you know supposing the best left back in the world was at Manchester United. And the second best left back in the world was at Manchester United, but the second left back in the world was English. Then that would mean you wouldn't be picking the, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. that sort of thing. So I can understand it. Having said that, would, would I pick Harry Maguire at the moment? The man's not playing football. Same would apply with me to Calvin Phillips. And I'm not sure Saudi Arabia is the best preparation for um, playing Ukraine either. But you know uh, I think Gareth will, mm. will go with the people that he knows and that he believes hasn't haven't let him down I think the, the thing with Maguire as well whilst he has you know he's very rarely let Southgate down for England mm. in the games yeah, he's played nice. and at the World Cup um, he, he performed very well Indeed. it's a piece I remember you writing Jay, yeah. when we when we dissected the, the, the France defeat and we went through blow by blow frame by frame almost mm. and could he have done better for the Giroud winner? Yes, yeah. you know, and, and 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 ultimately, there are. I think when when England have those rare opportunities mm. when they are up against the genuine best teams in mm. the world, which is only going to come in a competitive situation yeah. in a World Cup quarter final or a World Cup yeah. semi final or a European Championship semi final, mm. that that's when he needs to be absolutely sure yeah. that this guy is going to deliver for mm. him. And at the moment, he was exposed in that mm. game largely because of the fact that I think. He wasn't being tested week to week exactly. against the best players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you, you're right. That was sharpness, wasn't it? It was just that little lack of. I mean, he's been great for England. There's no doubt about it. There's the, on England performances, of course, Harry Maguire stays in the team. There just comes a critical point where that not playing and Calvin Phillips is probably in the same zone. Mm -hmm. Just it's going to it's going to affect someone. We say it every year with PSG, don't we? When PSG you know tanking Europe every single year the same argument is made well if you are so clearly the top dogs in your league it's made around Bayern Munich as well mm -hmm. if you are so clearly the top dogs in your league you're not tested sufficiently to go deep into the Champions League um, you know you will come up against a team that's been tested the way yeah. that you know Manchester City went to Sheffield United last yeah. week and had a game on their hands all of a yeah. sudden mm -hmm. um so we make that argument. The same has got to apply to players that are in the first team, not in the first team. Well, you played, so what was the difference? If you're not playing regularly. Mm. I think of an extended period of time, we're talking now about a really extended period yeah, of time yeah. for people like Adam yeah. Maguire. So that, that does become an issue because all the things are true. It's cliche, but you know, a bit match, match sharpness and just the speed with which you kind of react to incidents in a game and things that does I think that does slightly diminish and weaken and dampen the longer you're out of the team mm. um, but over a shorter period mm. it's no big issue and you can keep you know, very sharp and fit and, and training but for Maguire it's been a, a full season mm. and there's no prospect no real prospect no. of it changing mm. you know uh, there are short term injuries yeah. but um, the, the, the one thing you have to say is he you know we're saying all this we're talking about Harry Maguire I'm sure he will back himself now if he thinks yeah. I'm going to get a chance now that there are injuries mm. to get in the team. It's up to me to stay in it. And yeah. like that, you, you have to say that that's, that's his prerogative as well. It is, and, it, and, it, and, and, and that's admirable mentality, and I think that's exactly how he will be thinking. But the reality is that Eric Ten Hag is not a 
a guy who changes his opinion easily no, and, and no. doesn't listen to external noise as we've seen with Cristiano Ronaldo and I think I, I just think a year down the line I don't see it changing for Harry and I understand he may feel that he's he's had a summer where he really hasn't been treated as he would have hoped to have been treated as someone that's given the club good service was the captain had the captaincy taken off him and then you know United were arranging a deal that he may have, may have felt he wasn't getting a say in. I can understand all of those from a kind of ego point of view, but I think it's just got to be real and, and say, I don't think Ten Hag's going to change his mind. The only other thing would be with this with this squad is if is how much protection Southgate gives Henderson in mm. terms of whether he gets put up for the media, mm. whether he's given the opportunity to talk. Because Southgate went on TalkSport a few weeks ago around the time of Henderson's move and defended him mm. um, and, and, and defended his, his, his right to move there. Um, but I think particularly because of the situation he's in in Saudi, he hasn't been given an opportunity to talk at all without mm. you know a great deal of control around the media situation mm. he's in. Um, I would be fascinated to hear from him and to, and to have difficult questions asked of him. Mm. Do you um, think the FA will allow that? Uh, I, I don't think they will. Being completely honest, I don't think they will. Um, but I think that I think a lot of a lot of fans, particularly mm. um, LGBT fans up and down the country, feel they've got a right to hear from him on it. Mm. And hundred percent. I think the trouble for the FA if they try to keep him away from the media is uh, I think Jordan what's probably been 80 squads and he's one of the most enthusiastic and, and best media performers he's probably mm-hmm. been he's probably done one of the press conferences in, in 80 of those squads so it would actually be a story if they kept him away yeah yeah, yeah it, it would be there's some people that noticeably always come in and, and, and do the media and, and, and Jordan is Jordan is one of those guys Ashley Cole would never come no. in and do the media <laughs> no, that would be a surprise and during uh, Glenn Hoddle's Glenn, uh, during Glenn Hoddle's time Darren Anderson because Darren Anderson had a, a had had a positive experience with Eileen Jewelry, um, Darren Anderson was always put up every single yeah. media session or whatever. <laughs> to the extent that we were all during the World Cup in '98, we were all sitting around a table like hmm. this, and Darren Anderson comes in for must be about his. 10th consecutive press conference, 10th consecutive day that down and we've been up before the media. And we're all sitting around there and it's just, you know, nothing nothing to say. And John Dillon is sitting at the front of it, great like John, and uh, he goes, uh, there's this silence sort of opens up because there's nothing left. And he says, uh, well, down, he said, uh, anything you want to know about us? <laughs> But so Jordan is that is yeah. not exactly that sort of no. guy. But I don't but think Jordan he'll be liking it at all. Yeah, I don't think it'll be as loosey goosey as that. Yeah, if Jordan comes in, but also, and I think Gareth, you know, Gareth won't want the whole, the whole, the whole camp to be overshadowed, shadowed yeah. by either, you know, a big story around why is Jordan Henderson being shielded or. Mm. Whatever, whatever Jordan Henderson does say, yeah. you know, which will, yeah. which will be a story. Okay, still loads to come. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you're subscribed and visit the website for the latest subscription offer. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Luis Rubiales, uh, this guy's just not reading the room, is he? Um, <laughs> it's the story that just keeps on evolving. Um, since we last spoke on Monday, we, we, we spoke about this on Monday, but um, Rubiales' mother uh, locked herself in a church and went on hunger strike. She's since been moved to hospital. And a video has emerged of Hermoso and her, her Spain teammates perhaps joking about the episode in the mm. aftermath of the game. We should say there's another video of Hermoso saying mm. how much she did not like the kiss and she has made it very clear she didn't consent. But it's it's uh, it's remarkably still in place um, yeah. and it's it's really a pretty damning indictment on on football that, that this, this man has overshadowed the achievements of yeah. Uh, the Spanish woman, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, there couldn't be, in many ways, a worse indictment that the, the team that wins the Women's World Cup immediately are overshadowed by um, uh, their own president. Their own president engaged in... Um, uh, well, we've got to be careful what we, what we say legally here, but certainly um, behaviour that, that, that one of their star players found distressing. Um, found um, something you know that happened against their will and that instead of there being universal condemnation we've got a scenario where the women of Spain women players no longer want to play for the team um, and the Spanish government are with them and, and many male footballers are with them but the, um, the the federation's clinging on to its president or he's clinging on to the to the, the the power in the federation, his own uncles come out and condemned him. His uncle, who was, was who was incredible, amazing, astonishing, you know, evisceration of his of his, his character and, yeah. and, and 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 what he's like as a as a narcissist and as a sort of you know predatory and and and, and egotistical um, and kind yeah. of guy. Um, I just think you know, the wider the the wider picture here is is how football systemically deals with. The treatment of women in this particular issue, and, and I, you know, I wrote about it at the weekend. I just think it's miles behind, if it's even anywhere at all on this issue. And you, and you think how, in terms of, of, of other major societal issues, racism, 
maybe homophobia is, is not quite as, as, as far advanced as, or certainly isn't as far advanced but it, as with racism, but, it, but it's better, better maybe, but with issues around misogyny and, and, and um, you know, gender-based abuse and all these kind of things. Football hasn't even had the conversation and is nowhere and has given no thought to it um, really comparatively. And we've got to point out that Rubiales is a, is a UEFA vice president and UEFA have been extremely mealy-mouthed about this. They seem more bothered about stoppage time yeah. than they are about mm. Luis Rubiales. Mm. Um, you know, what does, what does that say to, to women? What does it say to women players? What does it say to women supporters? What does it say to women generally? Um, and mm. we can all think of other aspects, and I, I try to cover some of them in the piece, where women may feel that football's, male football's just not, not a place for them, whether it's fans, whether on online forums. Um, you think of how some footballers treat women in, in social settings, um, some of the court cases we've seen in recent years, some of the, some of the players who are at the moment dealing with legal issues. I mean, there's a panoply of, of things here, um, but this is, this is the next big thing I think football needs to, to move on. And Rubiales <laughs> is, is one of, it, it may be the most spectacular and, and grotesque of, of the stories, but there are so many other ones too and, and other ways in which, which the game's got to change. What have you made of the episode, Martin? Well, I uh, vote last week that uh, I, th- I thought his position was untenable last week, and, I, and um, I'm, I'm frankly astonished that he's, that he's still in the job. Um, it, mm. it just it's he took uh, to 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 enter into colloquialism. He took a liberty, basically an old-fashioned liberty taker, basically you know, and. Um, I'm, I'm just amazed that he hasn't... Well, you talked about reading the room. I'm amazed that he hasn't accepted that even if he was to survive this, mm. even if there was a, a sort of inquiry into it and he was to be exonerated, you, you can't run a, an association if nobody wants to play for you. So you've got, to, you know, the, I think it was David Miller's statement mm. that um, when he resigned from the government that he felt he had become a point of weakness in the government and um, had no uh, option but to resign. Well, that's what we'll be honest. He's a, he's a point of weakness mm. in the Spanish Federation yeah. and he really has no option but to resign. Um... But he and, hasn't. There are 80, no, play, I mean, 80 that's, players. That's, 80 players have said they won't play for Spain. Two-thirds of his federation have mm. said they won't play. And look, you know, the, the, this video that has emerged and the coach and, and everything like that would, under normal circumstances, be quite compelling evidence in a court of law that would definitely be seized on by any defence lawyer or whatever and, and, and put in, and that's what Ruby Arles is trying to do. However, the fact that people aren't yeah. giving it perhaps the, the, you know, the run that he would have expected yeah. shows that people are just going, yeah, even if, even yeah. despite I, this, yeah. what you did was wrong and what you did should not have happened. I, 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 I'll just say on that, on that video, um, Jenny Hermosa's got every right to, um, as she said, 
reflect and 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 feel and, and let let what happened to her kind of sink in and and feel violated as a result, which is what's happened. And in the moment, she just won the World Cup. She's just won mm. the World Cup in the dressing room. She she's embarrassed mm. on film saying, "I don't, yeah. I didn't like it." And yes, there's another video where mm. she's they're joking about it on the team bus, but it, that she she's in a awful position as a, mm. as a woman sure. in a position of weakness with somebody who's in a great position of power her own federation chief who's appointee as the women's manager she's in a horrendous position there and if in that moment she's she's joking about it who knows what her real feelings are but she's got every right to reflect and say look this this was not what I wanted and this is this is something that that has has traumatised me and I've, I've, I've got every right to to seek redress for it if you go back to uh, Mark Palios, uh, for your alarm, and the Football Association, um, I don't know what to call it, sex scandal, I don't know what it was, it was a scandal, certainly it was a scandal. Um, part of that was to do with um, abuse of power. Oh, was like, everyone was single, yeah. to be fair, everyone was single, yeah. and they mm. had it like rabbits, see if, see if we care, basically. But it was to do with the fact that that the the woman in that was was a, a secretary at the, at the Football Association or personal assistant at the Football Association, and the man in that was the head of the association. And, and that imbalance uh, in, in, in the workplace is what made it a a scandal, as such, and, and and what in the end led to led to the resignation. Not, we, not an easy question, but what what if anything is going to make this guy resign? Well, I was just thinking. I mean, do we know what the Spain men's team are doing about this? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean that's that's because because they're coaching the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, there's there's, yeah. there's Borja Iglesias has, has yeah. said he's, he, yeah. he won't play, yeah. um, and he from. Um, from 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 my understanding, he's, it has been he's quite active politically. He's mm. he's, he's tweeted yeah. a lot about the election that, that yeah. recently in Spain. Yeah. He has two, two caps, though. I think he has two, yeah, yeah, he has exactly. two caps. He's just broken into and, and a very admirable thing to do for a guy that has only yeah. just broken into yeah. the Spain mm. setup to to kind of mm. you know to, to to effectively put his international career on the line. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the most the, the the obvious thing from my from my point of view would be for the men to make the exact same stand as 100%. the women and, and, and that way that would send a, a great message mm. I, one you know I, I, I find it sort of I find it I find it the thing that I find so troubling about this is that it's it is the world champions who've had to make yeah. this stand you know yeah. they've had to, they've had to effectively forfeit their mm. right to play football mm. to try and get rid of somebody yeah. who they believe you know is, is, is just is, Totally incompatible in that role now, and 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 untenable in that role. Um, what, why don't why don't the male players do the same? They have to. They should do. Uh, but, and and I, but I think this is one of the fissures in this on this instant, this this issue rather, which is that that clearly men within the game, maybe men generally, don't feel as outraged uh, about misogyny and and and, and the other spectrum of, of abuses of women and they should and I said this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Mason Greenwood the idea that it should be the women's team that made yeah. the decision why you know what, mm. is it only the women's team that should have should be outraged or, or have an opinion or, or, or whatever that opinion is mm. you know men have got to get with this as well yeah the only Spanish players who've other Spanish I think David De Gea mm. Javi yeah. they have you know, they've less mm. to lose us, I'd imagine. I think that's yeah. and retired players like Iniesta. Yeah. 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 But the men's coach was, was applauding. Yeah. So he was sitting yeah. next to George Vilder 
recording yeah. um, Ruby Alice last week. They're under a lot of pressure, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the they front row, they've put under a lot. Oh, just just as, as you were saying about Jenny Moses, yeah. she would have felt quite pressured. If you're employed by the Spanish mm. Federation and you've been sat in the front row, oh, you know, yeah. you're under a lot of pressure to applaud, basically, you know. Um, I wouldn't necessarily hold that against them because it's a it's a it's a extreme well, situation that they found themselves in there. Maybe, although maybe I'm I being idealistic, but I don't think Gareth Southgate would applaud in the same. No, mm. no, I would hope not. That's a good point. Mm. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this story continues to develop. Mm. Back to the football. Um, there was lots of EFL Cup second round action this week. I was at Nottingham Forest against Burnley last night and it's an hour and a half of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> there were, um, I think, 10 changes for, for Burnley, I think, mm. and seven for Forest. Um, and there wasn't a shot on target until the 90th minute winner wow. from Burnley. So, yeah, classic. And this has been the the theme of the... Of the, we have this conversation most, oh, yeah. most at this time of year, most most years. Um, the teams who have otherwise had a positive start often mm-hmm. make a raft of changes, lose all the momentum, uh, lose that kind of air of positivity of the season. And I would say Spurs are probably the, the yeah. team that we, would, we could pick out. But that's happened to most in this midweek set of fixtures. Who you know they they lost on penalty kicks yeah. to full. It is because they've got that trophy pressure that hangs over them every every year and. Probably, you know, I guess the EFL Cup is the best chance they would have had of a of, of a trophy. But um, yeah, they could have done with winning that one, obviously. But then I don't know. I watched Everton last night, and they might be, you know, enormously grateful to the EFL Cup. Did I say trophy? Um, by the end of the season because they were staring down the barrel of utter Armageddon for that season <laughs> against against Doncaster <laughs> and they put better on from the bench and suddenly they've they've got a player they've got a number nine um, who didn't only look like a good package of, of attributes for a number nine you know quick powerful knew exactly great finish knew exactly where the goal was but crucially for me he looked like a player who really wanted to make an impact and wanted to be a main man I'm going to sort this out for the team and that's what they've lacked when you've seen them on the pitch they've just lacked that that, that figurehead so that they could look back at that 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 tie and think thank goodness you know that, that's what started our season is it this This is probably a very uncharitable thing to say I am I, I was so so delighted when Orient got knocked out in the first round really <laughs> because I, 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 you're, you're, you're calling me right recently about Kevin De Bruyne Martin where you used to talk about your dad and how he used to oh, want yeah. to watch the best players yeah, want always players. want to watch the best players yeah. when I was younger I used to enjoy our team getting to the second round of the League Cup or whatever because generally you'd see a Premier League team you might get a Premier League team in the second round early in the season you might see a new signing you might see a couple of but but nowadays it is is so the competition is so devalued to the point in these early stages to the point where you know even I mean the, the most damning thing Orient made a raft of changes we played Plymouth away in the first round and we changed the entire team pretty much and gave and gave lo- gave loads of players who hadn't played in the first match a, a go and and some mm. new signings and mm. and whatever mm. and it was it was seen as a kind of it was a it was a kind of a freebie and I think we'd have got Crystal Palace if we'd gone through which would have been you know fine mm. and haven't played Crystal Palace for a number of years but yeah. but it, it's just it, it's I'm looking at it as a lower league football fan now and thinking. Mm. 
well, there's one less game we've got to play, and there's a, there's another match where we won't get some injuries, and you know, and I don't see it as a great loss. And, I think and you're crackers. <laughs> I think you're crackers. <laughs> you know, it's like an iron for God's sake. You know, what, what are you going to do? I mean, have a go. This, uh, this is what I don't understand. Have a go. Let Crystal Palace put their reserves out. What I don't understand is why Boyne are putting their reserves yeah. out. I, I yeah. can understand. You know, let Crystal Palace put their reserves mm. out. I'll back all you. Yeah. You know, yeah, because yeah, every yeah. time the Premier League team rests 11 players, they get beat. You know, if the other team wants to take it seriously. And I, I don't I don't understand that as a as a as a fan. Try and have a try and win something. Try to try to become the first um team outside the top two divisions since yeah. Swindon well, well Bradford yeah. Bradford got to the final didn't Bradford they got to the final. And, 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 and obviously yeah that could happen that would be, that would be, that would be an amazing thing and, I, and you know these and, and you know I, I do I mean I do have a lot more um, enjoyment of the FA Cup I mm. do yeah. I believe that is a I do I, but, but I, I've, I've, I've long been a believer that we have too many cup competitions mm. in this country and, I, and, and it's just, just on purely on the player welfare grounds yeah. you know mm. um, but it's you know I've, I'm happy to be labelled as crackers because <laughs> because I, because I'm because I'm because I'm glad we can uh, focus on yeah. League one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah do you know what I mean? I just don't, I don't get. I would, look, you could come up from League One and that would be mm. great. So mm. uh, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not so. But it, this is so early in the season. Yeah. You, you know, you winning League One is is not dependent on whether or not you beat yeah. Plymouth mm. basically. And Plymouth are a better team than Leighton Orient, so you quite possibly would have lost anyway. So if you, if you put the first team out, but I don't know. I'm a big believer in trying win stuff. Mm. I really am. Well, there, were a couple, there were a couple of upsets. Lincoln, Tom will be very happy. But we said Lincoln. we weren't going to mention Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got past Sheffield United on penalties, um, and Salford, Salford, yeah. leads. And Martin, we were speaking earlier about. <laughs> You know, we're getting used to you know very partisan voices in the in the studios, TV studios, and but now there was probably to the biggest extreme we've well, ever seen. I did a little piece in the goes. Times, little you know about uh, it was about Jamie Carragher, um, yeah, on, on the, in the Newcastle game uh, last last Sunday, and it comes over, over to uh, Jamie at half time, and they ask him what he thinks of the Trent Alexander-Arnold booking. And he says, well, you know, he says that if you throw the ball away, it's a booking and, you know, and, uh, but he says, but he was pushed. He was pushed first. It was a clear foul, yeah. which I thought it was. Yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I agree with you, mate. And then they say, what do you think of the Virgil van Dyke thing? And he says, well, I didn't think it was a sending off. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, I didn't think it was a sending off either. I actually thought it was the card that doesn't exist, the orange card. I thought it was a little bit more than a yellow and a little bit less than a red. Um, but we can't give orange cards, so it, that doesn't really make any difference. But um, and but both times I agreed with him. But the, the, but the problem was, and this is the point I was making, is that all the broadcasters now, what they want is they want to create these Uber fans mm. out of their... Yeah. Out of their out of their pundits out of their co-commentators and everything yeah. and so when Jamie says that because because they're desperate to show mm. film of the man celebrating a Liverpool goal now we all know Jamie Carragher wants Liverpool to win we know that but you don't have to keep pushing it in everyone's faces mm -hmm. you don't have to turn him into this guy where you yeah. you know where they depict him as if he might just all be sitting in the middle of the cop he's a, he's a really good analyst Jamie and I just think it's it was completely unfair um, because 
he's given his honest opinion. Yeah. It was an opinion I agree with, but everyone, you went on the social media, you yeah. went, oh, this is ridiculous, I'm biased, mm. and all of this sort of stuff. It's not fair. And then we get to Tuesday, and it's Salford in the, in yeah. the <laughs> EFL Cup, and Cocoms is Gary Neville, who, yeah. who, who part owns the I know. club. I know. And you're like, really? <laughs> no one at Sky looks at that and went, yeah, it's a bit on the nose, that one, isn't it? You know? <laughs> You know, you might just well have the manager in there. You know, yeah. you might just well go. Oh, we live all Newcastle. We're under the studio. Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen, what are you reckon of that? It's you know, and you just think, come on, give these guys a break. Don't put them in these. I always thought it was unfair when uh, Jamie Redknapp would end up um, having to give his Jamie opinion on Tottenham when, yeah. when his yeah. dad's the manager. Just say, look, Jamie, for obvious reasons, we'll keep mm. you clear of Tottenham mm. this season. You can mm. do everything else, but we'll keep you clear of Tottenham or a match in which yeah. it, everything affects Tottenham. So say it's the last game of the season and it's deciding whether Tottenham are in Europe or not, yeah. we wouldn't ask you to comment yeah. on that. But they don't, they want to, and it's not just Sky, it's the BBC, Alan Shearer and Ian Wright, and yeah. they, they want to create these guys as, as yeah, like, massive yeah. fans all the time. The thing that annoys me the most about modern punditry is the insertion of the word we into, you know, it always used to be the case that there was a... It just used to be late in Orient. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not paid the mega bucks by Sky. Yeah. I know, but you can get away with it. But that said, yeah. this was, but I was going to say that it was, it was watching, um, watching Chelsea Luton on uh, mm. last Friday and, um, and seeing Mick Hartford Crocker. Yeah, 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 and and it's it's always been, I've all, I, I play this little game where I, I often look at the who's in the playoff bracket for the Premier League mm. in the Championship, and I go, oh, okay, so if Cardiff go up. Who's going to be the most obvious club legend that's going to appear mm. on, yeah. in, in, in the Sky Studio for the for the yeah. for the for the Premier League next season? Because it does. I don't know when this changed, but it does feel like there has to be a it representative from each club yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in the studio. It was a few and years ago, and it's and it, I find it kind of I find it a bit of a nonsense, really, because it's but, like it's obje- You need to be have objective yeah, analysis, but without lifting and, the veil on our industry too much. But that pleases the club. The clubs, yeah. the clubs want it too. And mm-hmm. I, I remember Benitez, when he was Liverpool manager, um, years ago, sort of complaining about. Now that he had a weird, odd complaint, because his complaint was that there were too many Liverpool pundits mm. on TV because mm. he felt that was putting him under pressure. Because they all thought they should be top of the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was Hooley. It was Hooley. It wasn't. It wasn't Rafa. No, right. it was Hooley. And Hooley felt there were too there were too many Liverpool pundits right. who had an opinion about his job. And he actually sent Ian Cotton, the the old press guy, out of the room. Go and bring the sheet back, Ian. And Ian had to go. go. He had to go and fetch this sheet that Gerard had, had, had composed of the twenty-one <laughs> Liverpool pundits that were on TV. Mm. But in general, the clubs actually they, they want to. They, Liverpool yeah, want to Carragher. You know, yeah. Man United might not want Gary Neville at the moment because of his opinion about the ownership but mm. the clubs like to have yeah. somebody that they feel that can speak up for them that they can maybe even back channel a bit of comms to some, yeah, some do a dual role with, as like a club ambassador yeah. as well yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Man yeah. City I think Man City must have been absolutely Gutted when Vincent Company went into management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a guy was a man. that was yeah. just made for. Now they've got Micah, so um, that, that, <laughs> that's different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, because you know, before yeah. Michael Richards, it was it was Mike Summerby, and um, Mike went on there and described one of the greatest goals that anyone's ever seen as lucky, because <laughs> um, it was scored by Wayne Rooney against Manchester <laughs> against Manchester City. If you remember, I think it was Mike Summerby was in the studio, yeah, and he yeah. says, "Come off his shin." 
Yeah, yeah. He said he's lucky. And everyone's looking at it. It was one of the greatest goals. And uh, I don't think I don't think Mike got um, yeah. got invited back. But when, when did Brighton get big enough to have their own Uber fan? Yeah. In, yeah. On Monday? Um, they've got a Glen Murray. Glen Murray does a bit um, yeah. as as the Brighton representative. But it is it is that sort of. It is that sort of thing. You know, Joe Cole go on there and really talk up West Ham and stuff. Mm. And every West Ham fan is sitting there going, you're trying to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea. <laughs> but this is the thing as well. Is it's, it's someone, someone like Glenn Murray, for whom pl- played for a number of different <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, at all levels. And yet it's kind of, he's got to be the Brighton, the Brighton yeah. sort of tub thumper this week. You yeah, know? It's, it's, yeah. It's, it is it is strange. I do I do think it's strange. But <laughs> yeah. I've said all that. We love your work, guys. No, <laughs> but that's my point. No, it my is. Point, I know, I know. My I know. point is I that, that they are, they're really good analysts. Yeah, absolutely. All these guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Really good analysts. They're, they're not, they're not. These, yeah. these super fans yeah. they, they, you know they yeah. can be but it's this thing of shy. Simon Billich was absolutely mortified that ITV showed him jumping onto yeah. the table when Dimitri Pai yeah. scored that fabulous free kick um, European Championships yeah. in France yeah. I think yeah. it was and he scored and he was Slavin's player and Slavin is a very emotional guy jumps onto the table, literally mm. jumps from the seat onto the table and punches the air. And he was mortified that they put that out. Yeah. But, do, you, um, do you remember in the, the French TV coverage of, of that, that game? I don't know if you, I don't know if you, you caught it, but the, the French TV had this thing where they, they, when they interviewed a player, they projected a hologram of that player into the studio. So I remember D- Dimitri Payet sort of like Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> materialising. It was amazing. And I was like, this is the future. We're going to get this in, in RTV, you know, anytime. And we still haven't got it. <laughs> I want a hologram. <laughs> it's like tomorrow's world. We never got yeah. flying cars either, did we? Talked about them every single week. Are they here? No. No. Jetpacks. 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 Wasn't no. Nothing. No. Nothing. Nothing. They're looking you know. a little bit nearer to the future. Mm. We'll look at a couple of games <laughs> yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we mentioned Brighton there and Brighton Newcastle is mm. one of the standout games of this weekend because two kind of as we mm. spoke about two teams who are trying to kind of gate crash the top whatever number you want to give it now yeah. six, seven yeah. four I make, se- <laughs> make it seven you give but, it every seven. Time, I, I, but every time I, I, I write seven or, or whatever you know mm. you just get a pile on but you let go and back in so, yeah see I'm <laughs> letting go back in so I, I've got the six that want to leave everyone yeah. behind yeah. plus Newcastle yeah. because mm. of the, the size of the back in yeah. that's, and that's what I make it as we're saying kind of, there's a possibility without a, a, a positive result this weekend that they go into the international break with three mm. points mm. from their opening mm-hmm. four games and then you know all of a sudden you know, we're not going to go overboard about this but pre- you know it won't take long for pressure to, to fall no. upon Eddie Howe's shoulders no pressure shouldn't be on Eddie Howe's shoulders no. at all um, and I don't see pressure coming let's say from Dan Ashworth or any, no. any, anyone at sort of football department level um, but yeah, it's something I've been keeping an eye on because the, rea- the reality of any club in that position is when there's, there's a lot of money going into a project and there's big expectations is they, they, they do want it to be delivered. And Newcastle played well this season, but they're stuck on three points. And then they, they go to Brighton, which is can, can often is a really, really horrible place to, to go. And I'm just looking at that thinking what, what are, what does happen if, if they go in with three points? Do the do some of the questions from the ownership maybe start to get asked a bit? Anyhow, will there be noise in our business? Probably. 
Um, will people be contacting foreigners to say he's taken the club yeah. as far as he can go? Yeah. Do you remember mm. when Alan Kerbyshire oh, taken yeah. Charlton as far as they could go? Yeah. Turns out that wasn't true, <laughs> did it? You know, because they could go a lot further. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they could go into League Two, for instance. You know, <laughs> that's where they could go. But the same but, sort of questions were, you know, came mm. up after they failed to see out the win or even to get a draw mm. against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So there is this kind of expectation now that they so, break in, mm. into the league. Totally, and, and look at their subs bench. This this sort of yeah. myth that they haven't spent money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have spent money. Yeah. I mean, uh, they haven't spent Chelsea money. They haven't spent you know sort of Bowley money. You know, mm-hmm. let's sort of hang about outside Stanford Bridge with a butterfly net, and you know whatever comes <laughs> in. <laughs> um, but um, but they have. They have spent money because you look at that yeah. bench and Harvey Barnes and, yeah. and, and, and the, mm. this, these guys. You know, there's been investment in the team, um, and you know, if we if we've been going back to that bottom line thing and brutally realistic, Saudi Arabia did not buy into English football to finish the table, even if last season mm. was regarded as oh, we've exceeded expectations. We're so we're so further forward than we expected to be, but then you don't expect to go yeah, back yeah. to where you that's, were. That, you know? that, that's the thing, isn't that's it? It's, thing. it's how far back are they going to permit them to slide? Yeah. You know, if they, mm. if they, because I, because I, it's as much of a pressure finishing in the top four because it's now, oh, right, we're a Champions League club now. Yeah. And that's where they want them to be ultimately. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and those first three games, I know everyone always says, ah, it's just three games, it's only three mm. games. And it's true, it's only three games. But you talk to, say, a guy like Dave Bassett, who's managed, you know, Wimbledon and Sheffield United, you know, Leicester, like Leicester in the top division when he was there, I can't remember, but, but certainly Sheffield United and, uh, and Wimbledon. Yeah. And he will tell you that the first three games of the season, the first three or four games of the season, absolutely yeah. set yeah. the pattern for the rest of the season you know certainly in a, in a smaller Newcastle have obviously got the players they played Manchester City they played Liverpool they played Aston Villa a good team have put five past them you know and now they're going to play Brighton that's a very hard mm. opening they've got a, a lot of inferior uh, opponents to play in which they will without doubt rise up the table however the first three games does sort of set the tone mm. for it because the next time they play at St James's Park against a team they should beat mm. if you've only got three points yeah. you can't afford to get a really unlucky draw yeah. you can't yeah. afford to hit the bar four yes, times and hit the post three yeah. times and come it's away drawing yeah. one all with Sheffield United or whoever it is you know even though you should have beaten by eight or something mm. like that because it, mm. it, it all adds to mm. that that pressure that begins to build on you yeah. you know the teams that have got zero points at the moment it's going to be hard yeah I've got the, the Champions League draw to, to look forward to which is mm-hmm. happening we, we were recording before that that takes place we're so recording we'll, for everything absolutely <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately you know, this yeah, week, yeah. Really. Um, two more teams looking forward to that will be Arsenal and, and Manchester United yeah. so big one at the Emirates this weekend two teams as well who've had a bit of a, a sticky yeah. start to this this season um, and I think you know Again, it's early, but either one comes off the end of the wrong result and it's kind of special will be interesting for them too. That's true. I mean, it's the nature uh, of the Premier League. Yeah, now. I mean, there's questions swirling around Nicola Arteta already, having had the season that he had last last year. But that's, that is what happens when you raise expectations and spend money and, and um, no one's giving it any time to bed in. It's, it's, we're all making judgments now 
oh, hasn't made the too many better. He's made it worse. You know, that's, did that's, he need to make the changes? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the, the judgment comes very quickly, doesn't it? On that, he, Arteta would probably say, well, here's the underlying statistics, mm-hmm. and, and we are getting better, and just the results will come. But they, from that point of view, could really do with a win against. United and just to you know Arsenal's ambition is to win the title this season yeah and we've got Manchester City who are a juggernaut and, and even going behind by six points even in an early point of the season is a problem when you're trying to chase Man City mm-hmm. so there's, there's all of that um, it's a it's a it's going to be a really interesting game because I, 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 United are I've seen them against Forest at the week, weekend. There's a real weakness in that team when you just drive mm. through the middle of them. Mm. Um, but Arsenal have actually gone away from that style of the speed of, of football to a much more studied um, kind of way of playing, much more possession heavy in the middle. Um, I just wonder if it might be one for Arteta to go back to just going fast to Martinelli and Saka on the flanks. So we'll, we'll see. Which is ironic yeah. what Arsenal have done because if you look at what Pep is doing at Manchester City, yeah, it is all about how many players can we get one on one. Yeah, mm. it's all so, about all the guys that he's buying most recently, or most of the guys that he's buying most recently are right one on one. Let's you know. You look at West Ham against Brighton last week. It was all about yeah. how many players they yeah. they had. How can, how can they get yeah. away? How, they can, how can they get Antonio away one on one? How can they get Bowen away one on one? I think Nunez is. I think the second highest number of dribbles. dribbles yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Last season yeah. as well. So. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's very interesting the way that, that Arsenal have, have yeah. mapped their team out because if, if we are to say that Guardiola is Arteta's mentor, his mentor is going in completely the opposite yeah. direction. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's going into that thing of, right, let, let's see if we can get some flying machine to, to, to be running at them. Yeah. You know? I want to teams already stopping not pressing Edison now because yeah. they know that what's coming with yeah, that yeah, ball yeah. so, so yeah. people are adjusting to a new Man City now. yeah it's very interesting yeah. okay we'll finish with uh, look, this is power going to my head here because yeah, right, we're doing okay. Bill, Bill Edgar's quiz and I don't have to answer because oh well there we go yeah. <laughs> just so one question I think everyone tune okay. in for two minutes of silence <laughs> <laughs> as, as we all no, sit there going oh we we'll get this one yeah who's top of the league yeah we can get that so this is about this is about Arsenal and Man United, okay? Right, okay. Only once in these clubs past thirty six mm. meetings <clears throat> has one team scored more than three goals. United won that league match in two thousand twelve. What was the score? Okay. Can I? Can I? Yeah, yeah. It was the eight two. Eight two. I've got a harder one, but it's okay. Give us a try. This we're at risk of silence here. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> uh, Brentford and Bournemouth are playing each other this weekend. Oh, so right, yeah, we'll, yeah. All, Bill, we'll all be across Bill this is, one. Yeah. Bill is magnificent. <laughs> Brentford, Bournemouth and their fellow Premier League club Brighton and Hove Albion have played in all four, four league tiers in the 21st century. Three other B clubs have also played in all, all four tiers in that period. Can you name them? In that period. Bradford. 
Is it what's the what's the time period, Gregor? Bournemouth. Would Burnley be one of them? No. No. Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yeah. Yeah, but Bournemouth are including the question. Yeah, well, we can't. We can't. We more detailed knowledge of the fourth tier. <laughs> You've done pretty well. Anyone so around this Bolton? No, Bolton. Yeah, Bolton. Yeah, Bolton. Yeah, Bolton. Yeah, there we go. Gee whiz. Not too much silence. That's it. Yeah. Not too much silence. Filled it in with this banter. Bill's quiz. I should say, you can get Bill's quiz on the website. I got eight out of ten, which I'm actually quite pleased about. All that in the back will be there. Okay, Mark Samuel, Jonathan Northcroft, James Restall, thank you very much. Enjoyed that. If you enjoyed this show, make sure you're subscribed uh, leave us a review and we'll be back on Monday